Hello and welcome to the After Sermon Podcast, where we learn about a Bible topic, character or concept. And today we're learning about the Reformation as we study the sermon, Signs of the Times. Jesus said, I have told you these things in advance, that when you will see them fulfilled, you will have faith in me. It reassures us God is in control no matter what actually happens on earth. What the Bible encourages us to do is not to follow a beast, but rather to follow the Lamb of God, who is Jesus Christ. Now, how do we follow that? Your word I have hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Hi, my name is Christopher, and ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a treat. Introducing Pastor Abel. Thank you, Christopher. It is great to be here. <laughs> it's also awesome to be able to have you here, and um, I'm sure we'll get a much more in-depth theological talk today than <laughs> what we normally give. But um, Let's hope so. Yeah, it's awesome to be able to have you with us here today, Pastor Abel. Thank you. Awesome. Well, uh, before we get into anything else, let's do a quick recap of the sermon. And before we do that, you guys need to make sure that if you haven't watched the sermon, Signs of the Times, go to the link below and come back here later, because this podcast is full of spoilers. Now, with that out of the way, let's get into a quick recap. Abel, what was your sermon about this week? So, um, I guess as the title says it, Signs of the Times, uh, the purpose of the sermon was to present a number of events that are happening in the world at this stage, and they represent fulfillment of different prophecies from in the Bible that in a way inform us that uh, Jesus is returning very, very soon. Uh, So, basically, the sermon started with a passage from Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 1 to 3, where Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, and in a way, he was uh, brokenhearted, he was upset that they could not see the fulfillment of prophecies in his own life and recognizing him as the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And basically, the conversation uh, finished with the idea, you Pharisees can discern the the weather patterns but how come you cannot discern the signs of the times? Yeah. So just reading through this passage, it really brought to my attention that Jesus wants us to understand and to discern the signs of the times. Hmm. And what's interesting is that this year, 2017, the Christian world will celebrate 500 years since Martin Luther nailed 95 theses on the Wittenberg Church in Germany. There were 95 statements Um, statements of reformation for the Catholic Church. Martin Luther was a Catholic monk. He wasn't planning to start a different church. He just wanted to take the church back to the Bible teachings. Mm. Uh, But that uh, wasn't really well received. And since then, there's been this protest. Let's leave tradition aside and let's embrace the teachings of the Bible. But what's interesting is that now, 500 years since then, Uh, people are, or Christian churches are moving away from the idea of protest and they're embracing uh, unity at the price of removing the idea of truth from their midst. Yeah. So uh, some of the things that I I mentioned uh, was also a passage from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 1 to 4 where Paul says that before Jesus Christ will return there will be a falling away from the truth. Uh, sadly, this uh, this was observed in history, starting with the fourth century. Uh, a number of things uh, took place uh, at that stage. 
uh, Christians started to observe certain celebrations such as Easter and Christmas. Uh, the religious leaders incorporated pagan names such as Pontifus Maximus, hmm. uh, which means bridge builder between humanity and heaven. Right. Uh, the mother of Jesus uh, uh, was worshipped uh, for the first time in the 4th century. So you've got all these teachings that are not found in the Bible, but they become part of church life. Uh, people started to worship statues and different images. Uh, people started to confess their sins to a human being, to a priest, instead of confessing their sins to God as the Bible teaches. And one of the most uh, terrible things that took place was that people were forbidden from reading the Bible. I mean, just imagine that. Mm, in yeah. a Christian world, in a Christian setting, the religious leaders were stopping... Uh, people from reading the Bible and the punishment for possessing a Bible was actually death. You, you had to pay that with your life. Mm. So the, the 95 thesis that Martin Luther nailed on the door was basically, hey, what's happening here? Let's go back to the, to the main teachings of the Bible. You know, one of the phrases that they used was sola scriptura, which means the Bible and the Bible only. Yeah. And what we're seeing today is there's a, there's a unity, there's a movement towards ecumenism between Protestant churches and the Catholic churches. And unity is good as long as it's based upon the Word of God. Mm. But unity with compromises will have no benefit for the, for the Christian world. And sadly, the, the Protestant churches desire this unity with the Catholic Church at the cost of incorporating non-biblical teachings. Yeah. Something that I, uh, I found very interesting was that uh, for the celebration of the 500 years uh, of Reformation, there's going to be, I mean, there's already a garden planted in Wittenberg and the garden has 500 trees, one tree for every single year. Uh, but the, the top five trees are the most important ones and are, they are planted by the most uh, important churches around the world that in a way they, they recognize Martin Luther for the work that he had done. Yeah, I remember this. This is good. <laughs> this, yeah. So tree number five, starting the countdown, mm -hmm. was planted by the uh, Worldwide Methodist Church. Mm -hmm. uh, tree number four was uh, planted by the Reformed Church. Tree number three was planted planted by the Anglican uh, Church, and tree number two was planted by the Orthodox Church. So far, so good. Uh, as I was looking at these trees, because I actually I had the privilege to see these trees with my own eyes. I was visiting Wittenberg, this, uh, this small town, and uh, I was saying to myself, I haven't seen any trees uh, planted by the Lutheran Church yet, looking especially at the top five ones. Hmm. So I was very anxious to see tree number one. And when I got to tree number one, that one was in fact planted, believe it or not, by the Vatican. <laughs> the very church that, in a way, Martin Luther was fighting against to bring about Reformation. And here we have on that, uh, on that tree written this message, a sign of growing ecumenical community. 
uh, Cardinal Casper, the Vatican. So what I found interesting is that Vatican um, not only will celebrate the idea of Reformation, but they, in a way, give credit to Martin for the work that he had done in order to celebrate his work. They have issued a stamp in Vatican with Martin Luther's face saying, this is the man of the year. We need to celebrate him. <laughs> it's uh, important for you to know, those that are not very familiar with the history of the Reformation, that uh, Vatican was actually very determined to kill Martin Luther. Mm -hmm. And in fact, a new order of priests was initiated during that time of Reformation. And the order of priests that was called the Jesuits. The Jesuits were created in... Uh, with the one sole purpose, and that was to stop Reformation at all costs. And uh, at the beginning was violence and, uh, you know, power and force. But now as we're living in this, uh, this world, it seems that it's more of a peaceful voice, but with the same purpose hmm. of uh, destroying that idea of Reformation. So some events took place in this world. For example, the Pope... Francis asked for forgiveness from the leader of the Waldensian church. The Waldenses were persecuted, uh, heavily persecuted uh, for one reason. They were keeping Bibles in their homes and they were teaching their children from in the Bible and not to follow tradition. For the first time in the last 1,000 years, Pope Francis met with the leader of the Orthodox Church. For the first time since the 1500s, Catholic priest stood at the Lund Cathedral in, in Sweden and uh, the leader of the Lutheran Church, uh, they are desiring uh, that unity between the Lutheran Church um, and the Catholic Church. And, uh, you know, the, the push is that may all churches will come under one sole leadership and they'll be of the Vatican, of the Pope. The reason why I'm bringing this up is in, in Revelation chapter 13, it talks about uh, a beast. Uh, you know, the Bible uses a lot of symbolic uh, uh, languages and with the purpose of, of God's people to search deeper and at the same time for the Word of God to be preserved so that no one may destroy it. And uh, as we look at, uh, at history, it appears very clearly that Vatican actually fulfills the description of the beast given in Revelation 13, but I guess we'll talk more in depth about this yep. uh, later on. What I, what I found uh, really fascinating is that uh, the papacy and Vatican, they're really eager to embrace the work of Martin Luther, but they are not prepared to make any changes that Martin Luther mm. has or had suggested. Mm. So it's basically yes, yes, but in reality is no, no. Yeah. It's a yes, yes, in order to get people's attention and to embrace them. But the reality is, papacy hasn't changed and it will not change. Uh, that's who they are. And yeah. it's, uh, it's about controlling. What I find also fascinating is that in, in using the resources that I've done, I mean, it's something that it's available to everyone. I've actually used an app on my phone. It's called 360 Degrees News. And on that app, it basically gathers... Uh, reliable sources and newspapers. So this is not about conspiracies or anything. This is it <laughs> oh, goes well. straight to the most nice. reliable Catholic journals. This is what they're writing. Mm. Um, so uh, it comes straight from from Vatican. 
And it's just a matter of taking the time and, and reading through them and understanding and putting them in the context of uh, prophecy. And as you guys might remember, some of the news article that I presented, they were coming all from the month of January 2017. Yeah, yeah I that. Mm. Middle of January. So mm. this is like recent. A few weeks ago. Recent stuff. Uh, and Christopher, if I may add one more thing, is what I'd like to encourage our listeners is uh, one of the principles that we find in the Bible is that when people hear uh, this sort of stuff, they need to search for themselves. There's a passage mm. in the book of Acts where mm. uh, Paul was preaching uh, in, in a place called Berea, and Paul was writing and saying, you know, these guys were exceptional because after they heard a message being preached, they went home and they searched for themselves just to to make sure that what they heard was based upon the teachings uh, of what they had then, the Bible. Yeah. So I'd really like to encourage you guys to look at the Bible, look at the current events for, for yourself, and then, you know, draw the conclusion. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into the drawing board. We've uh, Before we do, Michael, what is the drawing board? Okay. The drawing board segment is where we discuss the sources, inspirations, and goals of the sermon in order to better understand it. Awesome. So you already mentioned your goal was to sort of get people to be more aware of the signs of the times. Uh, but where did you get the idea to talk about this topic initially? What was your main uh, inspiration for it? <laughs> uh, believe it or not, my main inspiration started uh, about two years ago. Well, this is a long one. Yeah. In the <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's sort of been building up in my mind. Yeah. It was about two years ago when I had the opportunity to visit a number of places in Europe and Wittenberg, a place in uh, in Germany, was one of those that I visited. This is the place where Martin Luther actually nailed the 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 I guess the thesis, the ninety five theses were statements of protest against the church. Mm. I actually got to see the garden for myself, the yeah. five hundred trees and the the most uh, important five trees in the garden, and I was fascinating. I mean, the church that in a way he was fighting against. Now the church is becoming very supportive and appreciative of the work, but with making no changes. Shortly after I left from that place, I heard of other events such as the Pope asking for forgiveness. It was a month after I left from, from Wittenberg that Pope asked for forgiveness from the leader of the Waldensian church. Hmm. And then events started to, to pile up. It was another fellow by the name of Tony uh, Palmer, Palmer. Yeah. Mm, um, right. he, he went to America to the leaders of the charismatic Protestant churches and in order to reconcile them uh, with Vatican. So basically there were events after events after events. And I said, hang on a minute. I'm not sure if uh, everyone is actually seeing the connection yeah. between the dots, especially as we look at Matthew 16, where Jesus says, I'm a bit disappointed that you cannot discern the signs of the times. So basically that trip was in a way the, the foundation of my, my inspiration, looking at the Bible at the fact that Jesus wants us to understand the signs of the times. Uh, also the Bible is the main source of inspiration because, yeah, for example, in, in Gospel of John fourteen twenty nine, Jesus said, I have told you these things in advance that when you will see them fulfilled, you will have faith in me. The purpose of prophecy, the sole purpose of prophecy, is to give us a strong foundation for our faith in God. And when we see these things being fulfilled, uh, it, it reassures us, hang on a minute, God is in control no matter what actually happens on earth. Hmm. 
and it also encourages us to to stay stronger uh, I mean to stay closer to him and to have a stronger understanding of the Bible yeah. actually the appeal of the of my message was uh, for people to take the time to read the Bible because if you do not read the Bible you will be easily deceived by different uh, uh, theories that may may go around you yeah, yeah. awesome well, let's get right into the main meat of the podcast, the cutting room floor. Michael, what is the cutting room floor? The cutting room floor is the segment where we discuss the parts of the sermon that didn't make it into the final product. Awesome. So, uh, we've got a little bit of a teaser before as to some of the stuff we'll go more in depth in. So, over to you, Abel. What was some stuff? <laughs> uh, just because I took s- <laughs> it took a lot of time to go through all these news articles and, and talk about this movement towards ecumenism, there is no point in, in recapping all of these things because our listeners uh, have the opportunity to actually you know, listen, listen to, to the whole yeah. Yeah, uh, sermon. Uh, what I'd like to bring to your attention is a passage from the book of Revelation, and we'll be reading uh, from verses 1 onwards. Chapter chapter 13, sorry, Re- Revelation 13, starting with verse 1. Um, Michael, if you could read verse 1, and then we'll go Christopher, verse 2. Sure. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. So, just before we move on... Uh, we have here a beast according to the Bible. This is the amazing thing about the Bible. It really explains the symbolic language. I don't have to come up with something. Yeah. Uh, it gives us the keys. And in the Bible, a beast uh, is mostly found in, uh, is, is found in the book of Daniel. A beast stands for a kingdom or power, a ruler. Mm-hmm. So what we're looking at here is a kingdom. It's not actually an animal or a plane or a helicopter. It's not a rocket. None of this stuff. It's a power. Yeah. It's a government. Mm-hmm. And this beast, this power, this government comes out of the sea, which means it comes out of a populated area. Yeah. Uh, sea stands for multitudes, people, according to Revelation. And on this uh, power, you've got ten crowns, and you've got the blasphemous name. Before we move on, we need to understand that this power is not a military power or a secular power. It's actually a religious power. Why do I say that? Because this power actually blasphemes. Hmm. Now, blasphemy is described in the, in the Bible. For example, Jesus Christ was accused of blasphemy in two different instances. One, when he forgave someone's sins. And the second one, when he, when he claimed to be God. That yeah. was blasphemy. But Jesus is God. So, in reality, it was no blasphemy. But some religious leaders thought that he blasphemed. So we're looking at a religious power. So I'd like you to understand that it's not political or uh, a military power. It's a religious power that blasphemes in a way, claims to be God and uh, has the authority to forgive sins. If, uh, if you're already thinking about it, uh, to me it's very clear that the Catholic Church really fits the criteria because uh, the Pope is God on earth he, his word stands true no matter what, and they have the authority to forgive people's sins. But let's not stop here. Let's move on with verse 2. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. 
Now, this may sound a bit weird because... I've never seen an animal like that before. (laughs) And I hope that I'll never see one. Yeah. (laughs) Because I like walking on the beach. Just imagine seeing one like that. coming coming out of the sea. (laughs) So, um, the animals that are mentioned here are actually animals mentioned in the book of Daniel. Mm. uh, In one of the visions that Daniel had. For example, the leopard uh, in Daniel's vision from uh, Daniel chapter 7, leopard. Uh, represented, do you guys uh, remember? That was uh, Greece. Greece. Leopard was Greece, and we have the bear that represented Medes Medes and the Persians. Very good. And the mouth of a lion? Babylon. Babylon. And it's... Pass the test. (laughs) Pass the test. Yes, very good. But what it says here is the dragon gave him power. Now, we don't have to guess. The dragon is none other than Satan. And in a way, it says, how is it possible for Satan to give power and, and a th- his throne and authority to, to, a, um, to a government? Well, he basically works through people or through governments. Hmm. What's interesting is that um, after the Roman Empire, we're talking about the, the, the pagan Roman Empire came to an end. Uh, they, they started to move their capital city from Rome to Constantinople. And they gave power and authority to the bishop of the Catholic Church in Rome. And they said, you not only have uh, authority of a religious world, you have authority from a political and military point of view. And that power was given to them in 538. This is a day that you can put in Google. And what you can type in is this, 538, power given uh to the papal world or to, to papacy. Hmm. And you'll see the results that will come up. Let's keep reading with verse 3. Uh, sorry, verse 3, Michael. And I saw one of his heads, as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. It says here that uh, they received this power, received a wound. Hmm. So he drooled for a while, but then it was wounded as if. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the, this, um, this deadly wound was healed. As we look in history, papacy received quite a blow in 1798. Christopher, do you know what took place in 1798? Oh, I think it was one of Napoleon's generals, Berthier. He... Um well, did he invade the Vatican? Was it the Vatican? Yes. Yeah, and he took the the Pope. He took the Pope captive. That's right. Took yeah. Pope Pius VI was arrested, mm-hmm. and um, that the secular and military power was removed from him, and he was taken prisoner, and he died as a captive. Mm. And that was, in a way, the end of their reign, the end of their power. But what it says here, they received a wound. So we believe that wound was received in 1798. But the Bible says the wound was healed. So the power that was taken away from them, prophecy tells us, will be given back to them. Interestingly enough, in the 20th century, Mussolini signed a contract that gave authority to Vatican to be a state within a state. And what's interesting, they have power, they have ambassadors in, in countries around the world, and everyone cares about Pope's opinion mm. on something. It could be climate change, 
the United Nations have invited him as a guest speaker, not addressing the people of the office, but addressing the nations within the United Nations. Addressed uh, the political leaders of the American uh, nation. And interestingly enough, for those that know a bit of history, America as a nation was established as a place of refuge for those who were running away from the persecution of the Catholic Church. Mm. And now all of a sudden, America is bowing down to the religious mm-hmm. leader from whom, uh, you know, a number of uh, hundreds of years ago, they were running from. So it's interesting. Now, if you look at verse 4 in Revelation 13, it says that they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, Who is like the beast who is able to make war with him? The bottom line issue in the book of Revelation is, Who do you worship? Hmm. Who do you worship? Because you have only two options. You either worship God, or you worship Satan. This is a this is a, quite a quite a big deal for Satan because he wanted to be worshipped in heaven. In Isaiah fourteen, we we find out about Lucifer that he wanted to ascend above the throne of God. He wanted to be like the Most High God because he was seeking worship because he was defeated at war in heaven. He came down to earth, so he seeks people's worship. How does he seek that through different methods, even religious institutions? So. The bottom line is, if we do want to worship God, then we need to remain truthful to His Word, the Bible. Mm. If we do end up worshiping something that is not truthful to the Bible, does not follow the Bible, that means we worship someone that is against God. And now, uh, Christopher, if you could read verse 5. Sure. And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Now, this is a powerful, powerful verse because we have the idea of blasphemies again. And you, you guys remember we talked about blasphemy. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting, we've got this period of time, 42 months. Mm. Now, this period of time is uh, described in different ways through the Bible. For example, in, in Daniel, you have it time, times, and half a time, uh, which stands for three and a half years. Interestingly enough, three and a half years equals... 42 months Mm. and uh, according to their to the Jewish calendar having 30 days in a month from 42 months times 30 days in a month you end up with a period of 1260 days 60 days and applying the principle of one day uh, a year you end up with 1260 years now this is fascinating because I mentioned Maybe five minutes ago, two important dates. One date was 538 AD when the when power was given to the leader of the Roman Catholic Church to rule not only over the religious world, but to have the secular power as well. Mm-hmm. Well, if you count 1,260 years from 538, you end up in, believe it or not, 1798. 1798, the wow. year when papacy received... A blow from uh, Napoleon. Mm. And it was the exactly, Michael, it was the wound that is described in verse 3. So not only we talk about blasphemies, but this historical period of time fits in perfectly. Mm. And when God gives us a prophecy, it is very meticulous because He wants us to believe that He has seen these things in advance. These things should not really surprise us. Look at verse. Uh, 
uh, verse 6, and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in him. Uh, sadly, the work that is, uh, is happening within this system, and I need to, to make a statement here, uh, we believe that God has his children, in all churches, mm. Catholic churches, Protestant churches. But what we're talking about here is, in fact, a system. A system of leadership that really attacks the, the government of God mm. with the purpose of maintaining power and control over people in the world. That's right. Yeah, you talked about that. You uh, said that several times in your sermon. You were talking about uh, the system, not the individual people. Mm. Yeah. It's really important to make that uh, uh, distinction because God has genuine people, genuine followers everywhere in every single church. Uh, what I wanted to point back, and we have to just quickly go back to verse 3 because now this is the perfect time to bring that up. At the end of verse 3, it says this, And all the world marveled and followed the beast. Mm. A power that used to be uh, recognized and was persecuting people and did so much harm to the Christian world. Now it is really uplifted before people. The world is mesmerized by it and people are actually following it. It doesn't matter if you're atheist. If you're looking at Hollywood actors, they say, Pope Francis is great, you know, he's bringing a new, new aroma to the whole thing. Uh, politicians are looking for guidance. Um, if you want to solve out problems with the with the climate change, you, you look out at Pope Francis. So everyone is uh, mesmerized by them and they follow the beast. Uh, what the Bible encourages us to do is not to follow a beast, but rather to follow the Lamb of God, who mm -hmm. is Jesus Christ. Now, how do we follow that? How do we follow the Lamb of God? By reading the Bible and understanding the source of truth. One, uh, one verse that I found really important is in Psalms 119, if we can read from verse 9 to 11. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. How can we remain pure in this world? How can we remain sure that we will end up worshipping God and not a human-made institution? The Bible tells us by taking heed to God's Word. Mm -hmm. And by taking the time to immerse ourselves in the Bible. And the best advice that we can give to our listeners is for them to personally take the time to check these things for themselves. And read the Bible and say, who should we listen to? To God's voice? What to a human voice? Who are we going to worship? God or the evil one? Mm. It's only two options. We cannot stand on the fence. We cannot stand outside of this. We need to take a stand. And the Bible says, Your word I have hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. When we truly preserve the Bible in our hearts, we will have the, the clear understanding for, for our choices. And by the way, just before we, we wrap up here, um, when Jesus was tempted, every single time he was tempted, he answered, it is written. Because he had re hidden the word of God in his heart. Yeah. He knew the comeback for that. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's the same recipe for success in our situations too. Uh, Abel, do you have any recommended readings for our listeners at home? Yes, we. Uh, I'd like to to recommend to you a book called The Bible. <laughs> I hope you. I heard it's a bestseller. <laughs> yes. I hope you'll take the time to read through the Bible, and uh, a very uh, good explanation of some of the. I mean, of the last day events, uh, a very good explanation is found in a book called The Great. Controversy, mm. written by Ellen White. Ellen White is a uh, pioneer of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and our church considers that she had the gift of prophecy. God says that He will give gifts to to people, and we believe she had the gift of prophecy. And what's interesting, in, in more than 140 years ago, she made some really, really crucial statements about how the Protestant Church will apologize for the protest and would like to go back under the leadership of the Catholic Church. I think you had some of those in, in the sermon. In the sermon, that's right, that's right. So uh, please read, if you do not have time to read the whole book, which would be a shame, read especially the last uh, chapters, especially one that says, The Bible, our only safeguard, where she says, this is what we need to incorporate into our lives, the, the Holy Scriptures. That about concludes the podcast for today. Uh, I'll tell you what I realized as we were going through the podcast. I didn't, I didn't say much. I was just kind of enjoying listening. Me too, me too. I, I, <laughs> uh, I suppose we're way. used to the preacher and <laughs> church member dynamics, so we were more than happy to listen. Yeah, well, a lot of good information. Listeners, I'm, I apologize for doing too much talking today. No, 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 it's good. This is, this is the entire point of the show. It's the formula. Talk, so. That's right. No, it's been really, it's been really great to have you on the podcast and to, um, yeah, have someone who knows a little bit more about what they're talking about. <laughs> Thank you very much. And again, if you haven't watched Apple Sermon, Signs of the Times, the link will be in the description. Yep, definitely, definitely. Um, if, if you haven't, if you haven't watched it and you're at the end of the podcast, I don't know what you would about. <laughs> we anyway, told you there'd be spoilers. We're happy to have you here, regardless. Mm. Uh, a lot of good information in there too that wasn't covered here. So. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Christopher, for having me, and thanks, Michael, for joining us too. All right, well, as I said, that about concludes the podcast for the day. We look forward to seeing you next time. And with that said, have a good one, and good night. Good night. night. Thank you.